Hallelujah. So, we've been looking at the topic of redemption, and we've been looking at it in detail. We've seen that redemption means to buy back something by paying a full price. Let me put it, rephrase it again. To buy back something that originally belonged to you, but was taken away from you by deception, and now you are buying it back, legally paying a full price. That's the meaning of the word redemption. So next time you, you hear the word redeemed, you know what it means. You don't take it lightly. So when you say, I am the redeemed of the Lord, redeemed means you should understand that means you belong to God, but you were taken away and God paid the full price and bought you back. That's the meaning of the word redeemed. So when you hear the song, let the redeemed of the Lord say, so you should understand that, hey, that's what it means. It's not something to just sing and forget. When you sing that song, understand, hey, I'm bought with a price. I'm bought with a price. It cost heaven all that heaven had to buy me back. That's why I'm rejoicing. That's why I'm singing. You're not singing there for, for just uh, 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 spending time or just, just to join the crowd. No, you're singing because it cost heaven. So we've been looking at that and we understood, we've been, uh, we understood the purpose of creation. Why God made man. We understood creation. We understood the nature of man. We understood that man is a three-part being, just like God. He's a, the real person who he is, is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. And we understood the, the fall of man and how his nature changed, how sin entered humanity. We understood these things. And then we understood why we needed a, somebody to buy us back, why we needed a mediator, somebody to stand between fallen man who understands man and God. Somebody who is 100% man so he can touch man because he understands the weakness of man and somebody who is 100% God who can touch God because he is God. And we understood that there's only one person who fulfilled that, that was Jesus. And we've been looking at the substitutionary work of Jesus. So we understood that he was not born of the seed of man, he was born by the word itself. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh among us. We understood these things. So we're going to continue on that, on the substitutionary work of Jesus. That Jesus became our substitute. What's the meaning of the word substitute? Meaning of the word substitute means to take the place of somebody else 100%. I mean, you know, in a game, there are substitutes. In football, there are players there playing and then there are some substitute there's a substitute what what does the substitute do when one person is removed he takes the place of that person he is not doing it half time he's not doing half of the work the previous person did no whatever the person did 100% the substitute is going to do that's the meaning of the word substitute so jesus became our substitute how in spirit in soul and in body. He became our substitute in every way. We're going to look at that. Now. We're going to look at that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 
second Corinthians five twenty one. Second Corinthians five twenty one it says, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. It says, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That means Jesus, did he know sin? No, but he was made sin for us. He was sin. What's mean? To understand that we need to understand the basics that we covered to spirit, soul and body. We understood that real person is a spirit. Where did the spirit of Jesus come from? Where did the spirit of Jesus come from? From God. Alright? So, and where, how, did, how was his body formed? Was, it, was his body taking the corrupted nature of man? Was it the seed of Adam? No. Seed of God. So his body was also perfect. Alright? Now, his spirit came from God. That means his spirit was connected to the life that came from God. Fallen man, his spirit is disconnected from the life of God. He is spiritually dead. The moment Adam sinned, Adam's spirit was disconnected from the life of God. That means he became spiritually dead. Every person that you see on the earth who is not born again, he is spiritually dead. That means his spirit is cut off from the life of God. But Jesus, he came from God. His spirit was connected to the life of God. Now, he cannot die physically also. Death could not enter him. Are you understanding this? How did death enter man? When Adam died spiritually, it opened the door for physical death. In Genesis 1, we saw Jesus, um, God telling man, the day you eat of the fruit of this tree, you shall surely die. We saw that it is not surely die in the original translation. It is you will die and die again. The same word for death is used twice. That is moth, moth. That means you will die once and because of that death you will die again. The first death was spiritual death. And because Adam sinned, Adam disobeyed God, his spirit was disconnected from the life of God. And what happened? He became spiritually dead. And because of that, op that opened the way for physical death. Are you understanding this? Because if you look at it literally, God said, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But Adam lived for 900 years physically. The, day he, he, the moment he ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, his spirit died. His spirit was separated from the life of God. Physical death was a result of that. Now for Jesus to die physically, look at that. His spirit is still connected to God. So his spirit has to be separated from the life of God. Unless he dies spiritually, he could not die physically. Now let's consider somebody just chopped off his head. Alright, just a consideration. That means let's consider that Jesus, he is spiritually alive and somebody just cut off his head. That means he died physically. Where will he go still? He will go to heaven. But if he goes to heaven, 
Who pays the price for our sins? Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? That means, means sep eternal separation from God. That means if a person who is not born again, his spirit is dead, cut off from the life of God. If he dies physically, where does he go? To hell, right? If Jesus died physically and went to heaven without paying the price, then we don't have any salvation. Are you understanding this? So what happened to him on the cross? Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin. Whose sin? Did he commit any sin? No. Whose sin was it? Our sin. He became anything and everything that sin represents on the cross. Bible, that's what he says. He became sin. Now before that, was he righteous? Yes. Jesus was righteous. What were we? Unrighteous. Meaning of righteousness means right standing with God. That means the ability to stand before God without any sense of guilt or shame. That's the meaning of righteousness. Any born again person is righteous. Why? Because of this. I'll explain it further. So Jesus was righteous. But on the cross... He became sin. Whose sin? Our sin. Did he become our sin partially or completely? Completely. That means, look at that. Let's read that scripture again. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let's read it again. It says, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That means, He who knew no sin became sin. Why? That we might be made. Who is we? Us. Might be made what? The righteousness of God. That means to the degree that he was made sin, we are made the righteousness of God. Are you understanding this? What were we before? Unrighteous. Yes or no? We were sinners. What did he become? Our sin. Are you getting this? He took our place. That means to the degree that he became our sin, we became his righteousness. Are you seeing this? Are you understanding this? To the degree that Jesus was righteous, we became that much righteous. Why? Because he, to the degree that we were in sin, he became that sin. Are you understanding the comparison? This is very important. This is very, very, very important. That's why this scripture is the basis of righteousness, understanding righteousness. It said, he who knew no sin became sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of what? Of God. See, not half righteousness. Not a second quality made in China righteousness. No. <laughs> we are the righteousness of God himself. That means because of this, today we have the ability to stand before God without any sense of guilt or shame. We are right with God. That's the meaning of righteousness. To explain it further, I can put it this way. Consider that I borrowed 10,000 rupees from Brother Rakshit. I borrowed 10,000 rupees from him. I told him, next week, by Monday, 10 o'clock, I'll pay it back. I said, I'll pay it back. But Monday, 10 o'clock came, no sign of me. <laughs> Monday, 10 p.m. came, no sign of me. 
next day came no sign of me two months passed no sign of me are you understanding this so when i see brother coming from one direction i go the other direction are you seeing this now the question is have i sinned against him yes now what did that make me now can i look him in the eyes no i cannot look him in the eyes i cannot that means i do not have a right standing with him what i did is standing between us what i did is now the wrong that i committed is now standing between us which is preventing me from fellowshipping with him which is preventing me from looking him in the face looking him eye to eye are you understanding this but now uncle king he said he gave him 1 crore rupees he said whatever he owed you take it you take 1 crore he borrowed 10000 you take 1 crore just keep it with you it's already paid that means anything that i might do in the future is also covered <laughs> are you seeing this now he he paid for it the price is paid in advance are you seeing this so now can i look him on in the face can i look him in the eyes yes now am i right with him between him and me everything is right are you understanding this that's a righteousness that's a meaning of righteousness that means right standing today because you have received what jesus did you're born again what happened because of what jesus did there is nothing standing between you and god you are now the righteousness of god himself so now what is the benefit now you can come before god you can run boldly to the throne of grace you don't need anyone jesus is the only mediator he paid the price he paid the price completely because of that i am right with god now that is righteousness that's the meaning of righteousness so when you look at this scripture second corinthians 5:21 said he who knew no sin became sin now what is the consequence of him becoming sin who sin did he become our sin who was supposed to receive the punishment we now we were supposed to receive punishment but he became our sin now let's go back to the understanding of death see jesus now what happened when he became sin what happened when he became sin his spirit was cut off from the life of god are you seeing this his on the cross he became our sin that's why till the moment he was calling god my father my father but the moment he became sin his spirit was cut off from the life of god now god became his judge he said my god my god why have you forsaken me that's in psalm it said um psalm let's read psalms 22 verse 1 it's talking about it's a it's a prophetic psalm 
Psalms 22 verse 1 says, My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? The same, is it's a prophetic psalm. If you read Psalms 22, Psalms 22 is a prophetic psalm completely about Jesus. And the same thing you will see in Matthew 27 verse 46, where Jesus himself is saying those words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now why did, it's the same person, God. A while back he was calling God as my father. But now on the cross, he became our sin. His spirit was cut off from the life of God. Now God became the righteous judge. Are you seeing this? Who is judging sin. God became the righteous judge who is now judging sin. So now what happened? When he became our sin, he died spiritually, spiritual death entered. Because of which now what is happening now? Physical death will come. Are you seeing this picture? What happened to man in the garden of Eden? When he disobeyed God, spiritual death entered. Because of that, physical death came. Are you understanding? Now what happened to Jesus on the cross? The same thing. He's becoming our substitute. First, he became sin. His spirit was now cut off from God. Now what happened? Spiritual death entered. Next, physical death can come. Because if he didn't die spiritually, he wouldn't die physically. Now, when he died physically, where will he go? Where will he go? He is now what? Sin. His spirit is now what? Cut off from God. Now, if he dies physically, where will his spirit go? Hell. Why? We were supposed to go there. So where did he go now? He went to hell. Are you understanding this? He is our substitute. He is becoming our substitute. Let's look at some scriptures about this. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says the wages of sin is death. What is, what, is, what is that death representing? Eternal death. Are you seeing this? What is eternal death? It means to be eternally separated from God. Eternally separated from God. That's eternal death. Now, we understand that a person who is not born again, he is spiritually dead. That means his spirit is cut off from the life of God. Now, when a spirit leaves the body, the body is physically dead. Yes or no? When a spirit, Bible says, for a body without the spirit is dead. When your spirit leaves your body, your body is dead. That is physical death. Now imagine a person who is born again, he is already spiritually dead. And now his, his spiritually dead spirit is now leaving his body. Now he is eternally dead. That means eternally separated from God. That's why you get only one chance when you are on the earth to receive salvation. You get only one chance. So there is no praying for the sick and for the dead. 
If that person, before he died, if he hadn't received Jesus, you can pray for him 40 days, 60 days, 80 days, nothing's going to change. Because if he died without receiving Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he is eternally dead, eternally separated from God forever. Nothing can change that fact. But here the same verse didn't stop there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Eternal life. That means if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is now alive, connected to the life of God. Now if you who are spiritually alive dies physically, that means your born again spirit is now separated from your body, where will you go? Straight away to heaven. Eternally connected to God. That's eternal life. The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're eternally alive. See, that's the benefit of it. That's the benefit of it. The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're connected to God forever. That's eternal life. That's why John says, These things I write to you who call upon the name of Jesus, who believe on the name of the Son of God, you should know you have eternal life. That's 1 John 4. Said you should know you already have eternal life. It's not something you're going to get in the future. You already have. Are you understanding this? That's why because of this scripture we can say to the degree that he was made sin, today we are the righteousness of God. How much righteous was Jesus? That much righteous you are today when you received him as your Lord and Savior. It's the same righteousness. It did not degrade the quality of righteousness. No. You might have been born again for 10 years or you might have been born again 10 seconds ago. Both of you have, the equal, have equal righteousness. Equal level. Because it's the righteousness of God that does not increase or that does not decrease. Your knowledge and experiences in God may vary. That's different thing altogether. But your amount of righteousness, it's the same. You are not more righteous 10 years from now than you are right now. No. You are as righteous as Jesus. The moment you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. It's the righteousness of God. There is no degradation in it. The moment, the second you are born again, you are the righteousness of God. You are living 50 years, born again believer, still the same level of righteousness. Your level of righteousness does not decrease. Because it's not your righteousness, it's the righteousness of God. Are you understanding this? So Jesus became our substitute. If he did not become sin, we could not have become the righteousness of God. That's why he had to become sin. When he became sin, his spirit was cut off from the life of God. Because of that physical death now entered him. And he died physically. And because of that, his spirit went to hell where he paid the price for us, where we were supposed to be in hell. Well, let's read some scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Hebrews chapter 9. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin 
by the sacrifice of himself. Look at that. It says, he put away sin. How? By the sacrifice of himself. See, when it says, put away sin, it means whatever sin represented, it is put away. Once and for all. Put away. Sin, put away. He put away sin by sacrificing himself. Let's read verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The first part says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. It says, the sins of many, every, all person on the earth. Every single person on the earth, he bore it. We're going to see a representation of this in the Old Testament. It's an interesting story. It's, a, it's something that confused me a lot in the beginning. I had a lot of questions. But then once God opened it, it was amazing. Let's go to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 21. Numbers 21, verse 5 onwards. There's a story here. It says, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathed this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looks upon it, it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. All right, this is an interesting story. It says the people started complaining against Moses, against God. All right, and then they started saying that, why have you brought us out of Egypt into this wilderness? And God was, imagine, God supernaturally brought them out of Egypt. They saw all the miracles, miracles of protection, miracles of the Red Sea parting. Imagine that. And then the miracle of Egyptians drowning there. And then supernaturally God leading them as a cloud, pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. I mean, still then they are complaining. And he also gave them Mana, which is considered as angel's food. And they are like, it says, they loathed this bread. Like, hey, we don't, it's not cool. Because they've been getting it every day. They, they started looking down upon it. And then it says something happened. And the Lord sent furies among the people. You should understand that when you read in the Old Testament, when it is said that the Lord sent, you should understand it is the Lord permitted. 
Lord permitted. Permission and will are two different things. Many times people confuse this. The translators were not able to fully put in the full meaning of the original word there. It says, when it says the Lord sent, it says the Lord permitted. Why? Because when they complained against God, they came out of the protection. See, where were these serpents before? In the desert, even today, if you go, the serpents are there. Till they complained, they were under the supernatural protection of God. When they complained, they came out of the protection. And then the serpents came and bit them. Are you understanding this? They, they, when they complained, this, they came out of the protection of God. They themselves did that. And the serpents came and bit them. There, I mean, it's a, it's an, I can explain on this much further, but I don't want to go there because it's a different direction altogether. So what happened here? And then the people came and asked Moses to pray for them. They, they said that, oh, they've, they've repented. We have sinned against God. And then they repented and then they asked Moses to pray for them. And then the Lord told them something. He said, this is interesting, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, he shall live. This is interesting. He said, make a pole and put a brass serpent on it. Anyone who looks on it, he shall live. Now let's go to John chapter 3. Now Jesus speaks of the same story. John chapter 3 verse 14. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now who is speaking here? Jesus himself. He said, As Moses lifted the serpent up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Now, who is Jesus comparing himself to? The serpent. I mean, the first time I read it, I'm like, why is he comparing himself to a serpent? It should be a, uh, maybe a lamb. He's called the lamb that was slain. Should have said, the Lord should have asked Moses, make a lamb, put it on the pole. Whoever looks on the lamb, on the pole, they shall live. I mean, that would have been an even more accurate representation. I mean, this was the way I thought, but I was seriously wrong. If Jesus said something, he meant it. He is right. I am wrong. My thinking is wrong. His thinking is right. His wisdom is right. So as I studied this, I understood one thing. Number one, what does the serpent represent? Sin, death, and the devil. The serpent represents sin, death, and the devil. Now, what was the serpent made of? Bronze. Bronze represents judgment. Are you understanding this? Bronze represents judgment. Now, when Jesus compared himself to the serpent on the cross, he said, I am that sin. Jesus became the serpent on the cross, representing sin and death, rendering the devil powerless. 
Are you understanding this? See, Jesus is right. On the cross, he became sin. That's why he said, as Moses lifted the serpent on the pole. On the cross, he became sin. So that's what it represents. He said, I mean, this baffled me for a long time. This baffled me. I, I questioned God. Why? Why? Why is he comparing himself to a serpent? But then I understood this. Because on the cross, he was, he was not the son of God anymore. He became sin itself. He became sin. And that sin was judged on the cross. That's why it, it, the, the, the bronze serpent represents the judgment of sin and death. The bronze serpent represents the judgment of sin, death and the devil. Jesus became that. That's why he says he became the serpent, rendering the devil and death and sin powerless. That's how powerful this is. Let's look at some more scriptures here. Isaiah 53, verse 4. We understood that a substitute means a substitute in all three realms, spirit, soul, and body. So we understood the spirit part where he became sin. Now let's look at the body part. All right, Isaiah 53, verse 4. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs, which also means sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows, which also means pains. All right. So, if you look at the original translations, the, word, the, the Hebrew word that is used there for sorrow actually means sickness and weakness. Every other, in every other place in the Old Testament where the word was used, it, it is used as sickness. In every other place. But when the King James translators took that verse, they, they were like quite confused. Because they didn't understand redemption fully. So they were like, how can he carry our, your sickness? So they didn't understand it, so they put the word sorrows. I mean, when they were actually doing it, they formed a committee to discuss on this. One group said, it is actually sickness, you should put sickness. But the majority voted for the other thing. I mean, if you read the history, it's like that. The majority voted for the word sorrows to be used because they did not understand uh, redemption and they selected it by vote of hands imagine that they put the word sorrows there and the next word used i mean so, sorry the first word griefs that's what sickness the word grief is for sickness the second word sorrows actually means pain in every other place that word is used to represent pain but when it came here they were again confused, so they used the word sorrow. But it actually means sickness and pain. Now, how can you boldly say this? Go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. The same scripture is quoted by Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. It says, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Now, who said this? Jesus. 
Are you seeing this? So the New Testament is giving a commentary on the Old Testament. Let scripture explain scripture. So the New Testament was written in Greek. It was not written by King James translators. So when it came to the Greek translation, it, they couldn't make any, any changes in it. It actually said sickness. So if you read this portion for Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Look at that. So physically what happened to him? He bore our sicknesses. All the sicknesses that are, that are, that are represented as part of the curse in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I mean, it's amazing. If you read through chapter 28 from verse 15 onwards, I mean, after some time you'll, you'll be like, your head will start spinning. The kind of sicknesses and diseases and the effects of the curse that are written there, you'll be like, wow. And it also mentioned every other disease that is not mentioned in the book will be upon you. That means during those days, they did not know what AIDS was. They did not know or have any idea about cancer or uh, all, the, all those stuff. But it did say every other disease that is not mentioned in the book. I mean, I would ask you to read Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 to 14 actually gives the blessings. But from 15 to verse 60, I mean, that's a long list of curse. It's a long list of curses. I mean, it includes every imaginable sicknesses, disease, including mental disease, breathing problem, in skin disease, inflammation, all kinds of stuff. And it says every other disease that is not mentioned here. That means, oh, you can, whatever you see that is coming up new is included there. As part of the curse. As part of the curse. Now read Galatians 3, verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's what I'm talking about. The curse of the law is Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 onwards. That is, he's redeemed us, means purchased us back from the curse of the law. So whatever the curse is represented there, it is not for you anymore. Sickness is part of the curse. So sister... Your sister's sickness, cancer is part of the curse. Bible says Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. That means it's a done work. It's a finished work. He's not going to die for you again. He has already purchased you back. He's already purchased your sister back from the curse of the law, which includes cancer. That means cancer is not for her. Are you understand? That's the will of God. Why? Read the rest. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. So was Jesus there hanging on the tree for us? Yes. He became the curse for us. Why? So the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. So why? So today, the curse part of the law, everything that is part of the curse is not for us. We are redeemed from that. Why? So the blessing part of the law, we are we are, we are getting it. It's for us today. You are blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in your storehouses, blessed in your bank accounts, blessed, blessed everywhere, blessed in all the works of your hands. 
I mean, that's amazing. So that part is now today for you. Why? Because Jesus hung on the cross. On the cross, he became sin. Everything that it represents. So spiritually, he became sin. His spirit, he became like a fallen man. Spirit cut off from the life of God. He became sin. Now physically, he became like us. He carried our sicknesses. Every imaginable sickness was put, was put upon him. Isaiah 52, if you read, says you couldn't even recognize him. Imagine a man carrying every possible sickness in one body. Already, he was beaten, whipped, his skin was hanging loose. Everything. He was beyond recognition. On top of that, now the curse of the law was also placed upon him when he became sin. That means all kinds of sickness, disease, cancer, leprosy, everything you imagine was now upon him. Are you seeing that? So spiritual death, now physically he represented us. Now he died physically. Now what happened? Well, let's read some more scripture. Let's read some more scripture here. So spirit, body, let's look at his soul. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to lose him. He has put him to grief, I mean in sickness, when you shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Look at that. Now, if you look at this Isaiah 53, it says, It pleased whom to bruise whom? Look at that. It pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. So who was bruising Jesus? The Lord. Let's, let's, let's read that. Isaiah 53. I want, I want to show you th some things here. We are breaking some traditional thinking. Isaiah 53. Let me read. Um, Let's read 53 verse 3. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. Look at that. said, He was so full of sickness and disease and pain that you hid your face. You couldn't look at him on the face. You couldn't look at him. That's how bad he looked. I mean, when you see somebody suffering with sickness on, in, the, in the roadside, you look, you're like, I don't want to see that. But now imagine a man hanging on a cross with every imaginable sickness and disease upon him. Already blood flowing out of him. His wounds on his body. Look at that. And then it says, with his, where were we? Yeah. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, read that carefully, stricken, smitten of whom? Smitten of whom? God. And afflicted of whom? By God. He was smitten of God and afflicted of God. Who put the sickness upon him? Who made him sin? God made him to be sin for us. Are you seeing the picture? 
you are seeing this, this is very important. On the cross, God made him to be sin for us. God smote him. God afflicted him, Jesus. And then it says, verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Look at that. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? Because when he, he knew because of him, today we are, will be saved. Because he is suffering there, today we don't have to suffer with sickness and disease and pains. That's why it pleased the Lord. By that one sacrifice, he is redeeming mankind forever. By that one sacrifice. It pleased the Lord. I mean, the first time I read, I was like, God, are you crazy? I thought the devil killed Jesus. Yeah. The devil did not know the wisdom of God. He thought by killing Jesus, he wins. No. He wrote his own death certificate. <laughs> you don't understand that. That's how powerful this is. That's what scripture says. Had those powers known what the death of Jesus would have caused, they would not have let him die. They wouldn't have let Jesus die if the devil knew this. So spirit, soul and body. His spirit suffered by becoming sin. Separated from the life of God. His body, his body suffered. Every imaginable disease, sickness was put upon him. Physically he was beaten, tortured. He took the pain. He was beaten. His soul, imagine the burden of being separated from the father from whom you came. Till, the, till a few minutes before that, he was close with God. He was close with God. 33 and a half years of walking in fellowship with God. That one moment he became sin. He was separated from God. Imagine the emotional trauma. And then imagine the, the emotional suffering because of the pain on your body physically. I mean, if you are going through some knee and joint pain, imagine how much it will bother you. Imagine that. I mean, I had a thorn stuck on my thumb. I couldn't get it out for a few. I mean, it was causing so much of trouble. Irritation. Here, where? In the soul. Till I, I physically cut my thumb and pulled that thing out. I mean, I was, I was bothered with it. I was bothered with it. I mean, imagine suffering so much physically. Spirit, soul and body, he suffered. He became our substitute in every aspect. Everything that represented mankind, he substituted it for your spirit, for your soul, for your body. Oh, that's how powerful it is. I mean, I can't continue talking about this without tears coming in my eyes. I mean, it's actually, I'm, I'm trying to control it. Do you, to imagine how much Jesus suffered to pay for us. The price that heaven paid to buy us back into fellowship with God, to make us the righteousness of God, what Jesus went through. That's how much he became our substitute. This is the substitutionary work of Christ. I mean, there's a lot more. Our time is seriously up. Our time is seriously up.
but I believe you, are, you understood this part. We're going to continue on this. Verse by verse, we'll continue. Because this is very powerful. I mean, I can't go through this without being emotional. That's how powerful this is. Because it represented me. Everything that I am today is because of what Jesus did. Everything that each one of us is. The goodness that we experience today, the fellowship that we enjoy with God today is because of what Jesus suffered on the cross. The health that we can enjoy today that is ours is because of what He suffered physically on the cross. Are you seeing this? So, I would encourage you to read Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 to 14 talks about the blessings that is ours today. Every single one of those blessings is ours. Verse 15 onwards are the, cur are the curses. Read them. I want you to read them. So you will know what the curses are and understand that today it's not for you. You are redeemed from that. So if you find any of those things in anything that concerns you, immediately take, it, take the case. Say, Lord, I'm redeemed from that. That's part of the curse. It is not supposed to happen to me, so I reject it in Jesus' name. I refuse it in Jesus' name. Take authority. That's part of the curse. I'm redeemed from the curse, so it's not, not for me anymore. Refuse it. Say, over, enough in Jesus' name. Do you understand that? I believe you received something today. Let's just pray. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the opening our understanding. We receive your word with all meekness because it is able to save our souls. We understood it. We receive this with all gratefulness and humility, Father. We thank you, Father, that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. We are redeemed from sickness, disease, poverty, lack, everything. In Jesus' name.